0: Welcome back to 41,000 Feet and Thriving. I'm Virginia, your host, and I'm so excited to introduce this week's guest. Her name is Claire Schindler. She is a female pilot in the world of corporate aviation and has been since she was 23. She is a friend of mine, a previous coworker of mine, one of my favorite hotel room buddies on the road. And she's here today to talk about all things being on the road and being in private aviation as a female pilot. She has so much to offer on the subject and without further ado, Claire Schindler. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I got,
1: I got two drinks going. And-
0: Which if you follow Claire on Instagram, you know that two drinks is pretty low for her. It's usually a three or four drink kind of day.
1: You gotta have the one for energy, the one for hydration, the uh-huh. one for fun. Just really it's a, it's the best way to start your day. I actually love this because especially I've I've been on
0: vacation kind of this last week, which my life as a contractor lately has mostly been that I'm permanently on vacation. It's a little bit of an issue that I'm working on. Sounds but like an amazing time. I, I have almost sent you pictures because I often have three drinks. One for fun has been very popular. Coffee usually of some sort and then water and it's usually sparkling water at the moment so i am usually a three drink gal you'd be proud Ugh, it's so much fun i just it you feel hydrated you feel happy i think we need to spread the awareness that this needs to be more common because then maybe all of your problems will go away i think so i'm kind of like yeah thinking about it
1: yeah well <laughs> we'll make it a trend we'll make it a trend
0: that's all you're going to have like when I introduce you on the Instagram page is this is three drink Claire. Um, let's tell Let me tell you about her. It's only three drinks. She's not even a pilot anymore. It's just about the three drinks. <laughs> it's just about the three drinks.
1: I was I had I had a sinus infection that I was fighting through on a rotation. And at one point I did have three drinks up there. I had like some vitamin C drink with orange juice. I had coffee and I had water <laughs> just taking up my entire space up there. <laughs> You know, I'm about
0: it. I love it. I think you could write a book on it, honestly. tales from the right seat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Swinging gear. Oh, my dog. fighting the fear. Wow. We are writing. This is no longer a podcast. This is a we are brainstorming your book at the moment. <laughs> this, this will be my memoir. I love it so much. I will help. I'll ghostwrite for you. Oh, please. I need yeah. an editor. Someone's, someone's got to ring me in. I'm on it. I'm on it. You just sit over and drink your drinks and I'll edit. Well, so can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got into aviation and how that started? I know you just said you're in the right seat, so that for those listening is SIC, you typically.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I grew up just outside D.C. That's where I live right now, currently. I live in Arlington, uh, Virginia, and my dad on weekends would take me to all these museums in D.C., um and he's air force so we go to the air and space museum a lot um so i found amelia Earhart, and i thought it was the coolest thing ever i didn't know women could be pilots until i saw her and i thought how amazing it was that she traveled the world all on her own well on her own power like flying so it started from there i have a, an amelia Earhart doll that i got when i was 10 i still have it in fact, she's like all over my room. <laughs> oh well, wow, yeah, there she is. There she is. It's kind of creepy. Picture to have above your bed. <laughs> I know. But I, I love. I have love a it. lot of space, so yeah, it's just it's there. But uh, yeah, I love it. Um, I loved your sense of adventure, and I'm super happy that I was able to find a career doing something similar, traveling the world, flying. So that's where we got it. I love it. Amazing. So
0: and you started flying when you were 16. What does that look like at 16? Because I would have never been like, oh, yeah, I want to get in a death trap and start
1: flying over fields and shit. Um, I guess it started with um, I joined Civil Air Patrol when I was 12, which is like, I'm trying to quit. Like if you've heard of Sea Cadets or it's kind of like it's just a volunteer organization that's like a branch of the Air Force. We're not actually military um, but they reeled me in with get five free flights a year. <laughs> oh, wow. And I was like, okay, um, I have no desire to military. I hated the uniforms. I hated drill, but I just wanted to fly. Um, and you sneaky little thing. I went to their flight academy in Oklahoma when I was 16 and I did not have a good time. I had a terrible instructor that screamed at me. Um, I learned a lot of bad habits flying wise. And um, my dad didn't want me to like have that bad impression of flying just from that one experience. So he's like, oh, well, signing up for flight lessons. He's like, just just give it a try. And so I signed up for flight lessons when I got home in Virginia out of Manassas. Um, and I, I liked it. I had a lot of fun, but it was it was hard because I was going to school. I had a ton of after school activities. I was still doing like soccer, marching band, track <laughs> and then I was like yeah I was like I'll just so I was flying only like once a month which is just not enough to retain anything so finally my flight instructor was like she needs to be flying like once a week oh wow uh, and this was all coming out of my parents pocket like super expensive so my parents truly helped me um I got my license literally two days before I left for college it was incredibly stressing wow <laughs> <laughs> um, I was trying to get it because I went to Embry Riddle for college, they make you start over from the very beginning if you don't have your license because there's no way to like measure your progress. Yeah. Is Embry MB Riddle,
0: is that what you said? Embry Riddle. Embry.
1: That's a uh, flight school. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they're they known for flying mostly and like aerospace engineering. It's a total nerd school. So okay. they, had, <laughs> they won in Daytona, Florida, and they won in Arizona. And I went to the one in Arizona um, and I studied aeronautical science and I. Okay. Thankfully, got in there with my (laughs) private. Amazing. Okay. So how long was that? Um, So I went to school there for four years. I got uh, my instrument, commercial, single, and multi there. They tried to get me to stay for flight instructor reading, but I already had uh, 500 hours. So I was like, "Eh, I think I'm just going (laughs) to go somewhere else. I went to Part 61 school. um, So not structured as much it's kind of like just get it done Oh yeah. um and um uh, i failed actually my first time i took my cfi check ride wow uh
0: i feel failed. like that's got to be kind of fun like common like it, it actually is it's
1: like only 12 percent past their first try on the wow. cfi check ride so yeah. it, you're just not a genius that's fine <laughs> no no i i feel like i just t- i struggled with confidence throughout my whole career. And I feel like I just did not have the confidence to teach yet. Yeah. Um. But I already had a job lined up out in California. So I basically said, all right, I don't have time to train with you anymore and try to take this again. I'm going to go take this job. Um, and my boss out in California was just like, don't give up, you know, getting your CFI. So on weekends, she let me take weekends off and I went and got my CFI done and I did so much better. I think just, okay having a job helped i think being responsible for something it just gave me more confidence (laughs) and yeah and so when
0: you went out of there is that when you went to the part 135 operator you're with now or did you kind of have a few little hop arounds
1: and i had one hop around so i went to apple valley california which nobody knows where that is but (laughs) Uh -uh. it's over by mojave it's uh, by barstow yeah it's like three hours from vegas it's middle of nowhere desert um it's not my favorite place to live but um i chased UAVs, so like predators reapers i'd follow them in a plane um i was getting 10 bucks an hour on the ground and 20 bucks an hour in the air oh my god yeah (laughs) i rented a room for like 500 bucks a month that included utilities um and yeah my um it it was it was a good first job but Uh, Yeah, it was definitely had challenges, but I got 500 hours there. So I hit my thousand hour minimum um, for getting a restricted ATP. Um, And I started going to things like MBAA and the Women Aviation Conference, just trying to network and find people. Um, And then my chief pilot actually found me on LinkedIn and we went to the same university and He's like, hey, would you like to fly a Falcon 7X? And I was like, yes. So... (laughs) I uh, love yeah. the Falcon
0: 7X. It's still one of my favorite planes.
1: And that's why I couldn't let it go. I had to go instruct on it. I was like, <laughs> it's pretty so going
0: from your first little like Mojave desert job <laughs> to then going to a part 135 company, you were what? Were you 24, or
1: 25 at that point? You had to have been 24, right? I was 23.
0: 23. Um,
1: which is the minimum age to hold their restricted ATP. <laughs> wow. So yeah, that, it's uh, that can't be very common
0: for like people to be that young. Like, I feel like maybe I started hearing about like people that I had gone to school with in high school. A few of them became pilots randomly. And I think it took them till they were like 24, 25 in the airlines to get in. And so that just feels so young to be flying a plane to me.
1: Yeah, I, um, I got by with, so because I went to Riddle, which is a 141 school, it's FAA approved curriculum. So they wow. dropped the minimum hour requirements. So instead of getting 1,500, I only had to get 1,000 to hold an ATP. Wow. So that helped drastically. But yeah, I, being young, A, I already did not have the confidence, but then on top of that, being thrown into like a class where I'm the youngest by like 20 to 30 years. Yeah. And the, the guys there just have, like, such disdain because they just – they're like, you shouldn't be here. You should be – realistically, I should have been in, like, a beach jet, uh, a Citation in Bravo. I should have yeah. been in something like that, a starter airplane. and I was like,
0: you jumped from you, – you skipped the small jet part and went straight to large private
1: jet, which is, I think, rare. It's extremely rare. I, I, I have to tell people that. Like, I – I'm aware that I am lucky this is rare. I, I would never, ever deny that. I just, I happen to be put into this position and I'm just trying to make the
0: best of it. <laughs> I mean, you obviously worked hard for it and had something for someone out there, your chief pilot to recognize it and be like, she's got something, let's get her. Because I don't think many people would pick a woman that is 23 just for no reason, because that's like, just not the industry
1: yeah and i think what this company has done when they hired new people is stuff they don't consider is like because we're young we're so eager to learn and to to know stuff and we're not tired of all these shenanigans that go on they they don't yeah, have you can work habits. me like crazy. <laughs> yes, I'm like, oh, you, you like? I just did like L.A. to Argentina, Argentina to Spain. You want me to do two 12-hour flights back to back? Yeah, sure, no problem. Like, sold. <laughs> let's yep. go. Yeah, and then you know we don't have any bad habits that we've developed either. You know, uh, talking to people or flying wise, that you know some of those older guys have. Like we're, so you're we're teachable teaching states to molds. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, that's true. So I, it's kind of
0: smart in a way to have a couple of those. People. Well, yeah, that may, that does make sense. I because our the company that we worked for, I think we both started. You probably started about maybe a year ahead of me. I think that sounds right. Something like yeah, that. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, right there. I think I joined six months after that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we've we had a lot of young pilots, which was rare. And then we had a lot of young flight attendants, too, but more so on the pilot side where it was like you don't see this in private aviation, someone being less than like you start to see them at like 30 m- minimum or maximum, I should say. I don't know. But and then they're typically in their 40s, 50s, 60s. If you're Uncle Larry, you're like 75. Like, <laughs> um, It's just like, you know, how did that make you feel? Were you nervous going into this field where t- typically people are older and you are new and you're fresh blood. And on top of that, you're a woman. And how many women pilots did we have at the time? One other?
1: Uh, I think we did three. Yeah, we had three. And they now. were all SACs. Yeah. But now, like and a so, few years later. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Cause, uh, I think you, yeah, I think we only had two, right? yeah so now there's a third yeah so now now it's it's quite a few I want to say we have five or six. wow including myself yeah that's incredible honestly yeah I'm I'm super excited there's I think two others on the global with me and then no sorry three others on the global with me and then two on the g4 wow okay and
0: would you say that that's normal having that many women in a company especially private
1: no. Um, I think corporate is like the statistic is 5% of corporate is women's. So. I was hoping you would have a statistic for me. Yeah. After uh, I just released like the total statistics. So I think the average for total pilots, regardless of ratings is 8%, which is 2% more than it was a few years ago. So we're trending up. That's amazing. Um, it's great. And um, ATPs. So like, you know, transport category pilots. I think we're at five percent, and a couple of years ago, it was three yeah. percent. So we're we're getting there. Wow, we're, we're something is happening. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's incredible. So uh, going into it, are you nervous at all, or have the nerves kind of gone away, or are there certain situations that still kind of make you like squirm a bit because of the statistics out there?
1: Um, I would say a couple of years ago, I was uh just because it was still so new to me but I feel like now that I'm thankful that I work with people that are very encouraging and because I work with some of those older guys they don't really care so much about flying anymore so they'll just give me all the legs to fly that's true and so their confidence in me they're like they're just there to catch you know they don't they don't care they're just ready to cash so they'll let me do everything and so that alone really gave me the confidence it's them just letting go and being like you're fine yeah <laughs> you do it uh, has really helped I think the only times I still get a little panicky is just like admin stuff like just worrying about like I'm always terrified we're gonna not have some paperwork or something to get into a country or to be perfectly honest if like we were going into like Saudi or a place like yeah. that that doesn't like women I'm a little scared of that like, yeah absolutely I remember flying
0: into like um, Abu Dhabi and it was during the pandemic it was right when it started and so it was like one of our first and it was with this company and I was freaking out a bit because also at this point of flying I, you I mean you can speak to this too during the pandemic we would be doing these like I call them like saving charters because people were trying to get home or they were yeah a lot of them were stranded during the pandemic and so a lot of them were chartering planes just to get home and so that was the case kind of in this situation and we got like this last minute flight you are in the air during the pandemic not knowing if that country is going to stay open for private flights like if you'll be able to get in because of covid and so yep. it was like, you could have had all the paperwork in the world, but then we were also having to like call our ops teams in the air to be like, hey, we are we getting in? Like, can we land? And then it's like, okay, well, what if the answer is
1: no? We landed in Senegal and in the air, we flew from Tineborough to Senegal. And in the air of that eight hour flight, they decided to have a coup. So like we landed and the first the indication first the was they switched hotels and we were all like typical flight crew. We were pissy. We we're like, why did they change our hotel we wanted that hotel and then the ground handler was like yeah so we're in the middle of a coup right now it's like some violent protests in the street like i'm not going home because he lives downtown he's like so they got us an airport hotel i would have slept on the
0: plane i would have been like i'm gonna stay here
1: Actually, my flight attendant, we got to the hotel and it was absolute chaos because I think all these flight crews that had hotels in the city had switched and like an Emirates crew was like right behind us. We had to wait for our rooms because they didn't have quite enough rooms. So by the time we got to our, our rooms, like two hours later, there was like a giant bottle of roach spray in the room. Oh. And we were like hearing like all these people talking and she's like, can we go back to the plane Keep on the
0: plane? <laughs> it's like, do you remember like if in the first few days, uh- Not the first few days, first few weeks. I think we were in London together when this happened, maybe. And we had a crew get stuck. I think it was in Abu Dhabi. Oh, Because it was the same. It was a few days after I had gone. And then they had to go back to pick up the, the people we dropped off or something like that. And so we were hubbed in London. And we literally had a crew get stuck where they were like, I'm sorry, but because of COVID, we can't let you into the country, but you can stay on your plane.
1: They were going to have like, to quarantine for two weeks if they entered the yes, country. Yes, exactly. So essentially, like
0: in simple terms, if they got a stamp in their passport kind of thing and like left the airport, they would have to quarantine for two weeks and not be able to leave. So they literally spent a night with no electricity on a jet in the middle of Abu Dhabi, And I I remember hearing this and I was just like, we were in London waiting for them to get in. And I literally saw this lieutenant who was my friend and I went and met her when they got in. They looked ragged. (laughs) Just to give you a glimpse into our life.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just it's just unicorn madness. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's what I mean. A young person like that. Unicorn madness. That just, you know is new to this or you know isn't tired of it just yeah they don't mind doing that stuff they're like yeah it's a great story for later i think that crew kind of minded
0: <laughs> bet, yeah yeah she told me she's like i ordered all the breakfast all of the breakfast yeah i remember I that like, good yep good you should yep i would have to um i mean three drink morning there is yes uh, that would be a, a strong three drink morning Oh, my God. I, those three drinks would not have been for hydration for me. <laughs> they would have been for sanity alone. <laughs> I don't know how they did that. Honestly, that was traumatizing. Um, I I think like we get put in situations on the road like that and we're laughing about it right now. But when you're going through these and I mean, these are pretty drastic examples, but we have a lot of them. <laughs> and Yeah, as yeah we do. <laughs> yeah. And as you're going through them. You're not really realizing the trauma, not trauma, maybe that's a really strong word for it, but like the wear and tear that's happening on both your physical body, but also your mental body.
1: Mm -hmm. It's a lot. Yeah, like the incident I had, I had a captain not listen to me about out climbing a thunderstorm. We left the Bahamas in the middle of July, so like summertime, sadness, weather. Going over to Barcelona and um, there were thunderstorms and we'd only been flying for like 30 minutes, super heavy on fuel. He couldn't figure out how to ask ATC to deviate via text. So he just like took it from me because I was flying right seat. That's my job. So he just took it from me. Couldn't figure out how to do that. And he was like, well, we're just going to climb because he knew how to do that. We're too heavy to climb. I am arguing with him that we're too heavy to climb. He doesn't listen to me. We nearly stall going into the storm with like moderate to heavy turbulence. Mind you, we have like six passengers on board. It freaked them out, scared me, um, scared her flight attendant to the point where she got out her ditching checklist. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Like very experienced flight attendant got out her ditching checklist. She's been doing this for 10 years, got out her ditching checklist. She knew oh something Oh, my was God. Wrong. And then she smartly, after we were out of it, just got up with and had wine ready through the back, like wine. Genius but, move. When in doubt, serve alcohol. Right, right. Like oh, and then she knew, she knew the dynamic up front. She was aware of the lack of CRM, and so she. Um, oh well. I was like, "Hey, do you want to go out after we get to Barcelona and talk?" And I was like, "Yeah, that'd be nice." And so she was like, "I think we're gonna have a girls' night. We're gonna go shopping, but you're welcome to come." Like she made it sound like really uninviting for a man. Ooh, to I want to know who this is after this because I have a guest. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so we we ditched him, and she she just let me sit there and rant over dinner about like what happened and what because she. She knew something was wrong, but when I told her the full story, she's like, oh my God. She's like, this yeah. is what you, this is what you talk about in CRM. This is, you know, um, so I had to file a safety report. Uh wow. you know, my safety manager took it from there. He got demoted briefly. Yeah. <laughs> he eventually left. But um, yeah, I they tried to make me fly with him again, and I said, no. I flat out refused. It wasn't me and him alone. It was gonna be a, a three pilot trip. But I still refused. I was like, I need you to reread my safety report. I was like, I don't feel like you guys appreciate what happened. I was like, how close we were to something serious happening. Um, and I was like, I don't know what his issue is with me. I don't know if it's a female thing. I don't know if yeah. it's an age thing. I don't I don't know what it is. That's like, what I was going to ask. He has a power trip mm-hmm. of something that he won't listen to me, and I was like, It's one thing I phone people I don't like all the time, it's easy. Uh-huh. Like, I'll just smile and be like, Haha, your jokes are so funny and definitely not racist. It's but a, but there's, it's It's our job between.
0: at some point, like it is. It so, CRM, is. But I was like, Sorry,
1: I have to be able to talk to them
0: with CRM, yeah. And CRM is crew resource management, right? That's what, yeah. It, yeah. And so, that's just like how we communicate on the road, and like we yeah. get. Uh, like yearly and sometimes every six month trainings on CRM because every plane accident and every almost plane accident is almost always because of bad crew CRM one way or 12. And that's terrifying. It's like, and I mean, in this case, it's like you see that example and it's like someone couldn't swallow their pride or whatever their reasoning was or it was too stubborn or was like I'm the more seasoned one so I make the calls here and didn't listen to you just because they they didn't want to and it's like like you said that's what eight nine souls on board and then I that he was willing to not listen to for oh yeah it's
1: how see how silly it is and like he's not he's an experienced pilot like he's got more hours than me but That doesn't always make it better. But I've I've had pilots with double, triple his experience be like, hey, you know, I'm tired. So if you see something, say something. Mm -hmm. Or we haven't flown together. So like if I do something that doesn't make sense to you, let me know. Love that. They're triple the experience I have, but they know how important it is. I catch stuff all the time. Like even in the back of the sim, I see people with tens of thousands of hours make mistakes. Like. That's the whole point of having two people up there is you have to be able to talk to each other. Uh-huh. And that's what I impressed upon the company. I was like, I cannot work with him. It's not because I don't like him, it's because I physically, like, we cannot communicate. There's a barrier somewhere.
0: Yeah. Well, it's amazing, too. Kudos to the company for listening to you even if you had to give them a little reminder like I mean not all companies would do that they a lot would be like F you like we don't need you on this like you can either do it or not and pressure you into it but it sounds like they listen to you which is amazing
1: yeah I so I I think I helped myself out I was very nervous I complained about him six months prior I said I I listed out examples of both inside and outside the cockpit of where he was very condescending and just made remarks where I was like, that's completely unnecessary to be saying that stuff. Like, it would be stupid stuff too. Like, we would be, you know, taking inventory of the airplane and the flight attendant would be like, hey, did you see water? I was like, yeah, there were two cases of Fiji water back in the cargo compartment. And he'd be like, oh, well, I didn't check. But I guess if she said it's there, it's there. I'm like, why is these necessary these condescending remarks and it's just how are we doing here (laughs) so I I wrote an email out to the chief pilot and uh, I asked all these other pilots I flew with I was like I don't want to be the kid that complains I don't want to be a squeaky wheel because I'm so young and I like to handle my problems on my own but I was like I just want a paper trail of this stuff uh, that's happening and I'm super glad I did so I sent it in chief pilot was like you're not the first person to say something. I'm keep, I'll am i keep it in my back pocket. Let me know how it goes. I flow with him again. This incident happened. I submit the safety report and I was glad because oh, wow. I then had a track record of he clearly has an issue with
0: me. He's got a CRM problem. Wow. That, good for you for realizing that you needed that paper trail. I didn't learn that until like later in my career. And I now document everything and because you have to have it to protect yourself in our industry as women like and I hate to be like that stereotypical like TED talk but like you yeah. really do have to protect yourself especially in our industry there's situations like this there's even scarier situations out there and then you know tying it back to mental health it's like it all takes a weight on your mental health just being in this industry as a woman and I can't even imagine as a pilot, as a woman in the industry that's young and that you have like all of these, I'm going to use your word, unicorn things about you in the industry that make it really hard. And I can't imagine like how sometimes, like I've been with you and we had talks and
1: it was hard on you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, just that experience alone was, it was traumatizing for me, not in that, yes, I was scared, but I was more upset with myself. I felt like I could have done more. Like I was upset with myself that I let us get into that situation. And like as much as, even like when I debriefed it with the chief pilot, the training manager, the safety manager, they're like, "We're not sure how much you could have done." I mean, what were you gonna do? Get in a physical altercation, in a fl- in a flight? Like what what yeah. else could you have done? I was like, I don't know. I just wish that I'd like I don't know taken the controls or you know said something or done something. So. It- it took me a while to process that alone, huh. but I did go to like um, upset recovery training for airplanes. So like they teach you how to spin and like get out of all these weird attitudes. I went for that just to like as like a confidence check, as like a all right, like how <laughs> you to know heal how from to get that. out of this. Yeah, yeah, that that was extremely helpful. Just doing that, and um, I went to Patty Wagstaff School, and actually in Florida, and the fact that she was just like come on you can do it the airplane doesn't know what your gender is you do it Ooh, oh i like that dang i like yeah. this lady <laughs> the airplane
0: doesn't know what your are ge- oh that hits different
1: all right actually <laughs> so, like, airplane doesn't know you
0: just gotta tell what to do wow <laughs> so situations like that and then just like from your what uh four years in private now corporate uh, how do you oh, p- f- no, I'm, uh-huh. Ooh, happy almost five year anniversary. (laughs) Do you feel how do you feel like you're doing overall? Or how do you feel like you've learned to deal with certain situations like because they're not going away? Like this prejudice against you in the cockpit, they're not going away. So how do you continue to deal with that and keep yourself in a good space?
1: Um so I still I have issues with someone else. They're not we can still communicate. They're still CRM, but uh-huh. he definitely has an issue with women because I've seen the way he treats not just me, but some of our female flight attendants as well and like the remarks he's made. Like women can either be pretty but not smart or oh, one other <laughs> smart those. but not pretty. So um super fun. I I oh, thank God that like those other captains have given me the space to go be like PIC of the day because it's given me the confidence to be like, no, that's not right. um He touched my um, power levers on short final when it was my flight controls without like saying anything or pro- he's like, I'm just going to pull these back for you. And the pilot sitting in the jump seat was like, why the hell they do that? I was like, excellent question. Why did he do that? So I confronted him afterwards. I was like, hey. I want to talk to you about that. He's like, yeah, I just, I just thought we were a bit fast. And I was like, okay, it's called being pilot monitoring and telling me I'm fast, and then I say correcting and I fix it. I was like, you have taken a learning opportunity from me. That hmm. you just taken that away from me. Um, so that experiencing that, and normally I think I would have internalized it. I would have gone to the back and like cried it out. Normally when I first started, and then now, yeah, we had I a lot angry. of those. I went things, straight yeah. to oh 100 percent. but now i was just i was angry i was like how dare he i am a professional pilot i've been flying this (laughs) airplane for over a year now he has no right to do that it was my controls, and so i immediately jumped to anger changed my uniform you know (laughs) yeah processed it a minute and then i was like no that's not right you can't do that don't ever do it again and like so it's changed it's changed quite a bit and then not only that i told the lead captain i was like hey i just want to talk to you about this person this is what's going on and he was very receptive and he's like i know it's an issue do you want me to talk to him about it and i was like not yet i want to i don't want it to seem like i'm little kid going to mom kind of thing so i said not yet i want to deal with it in my home but i do want a paper trail of like this has happened um so that when it escalates if it does escalate well because you learned from your last situation
0: yeah well I have a few female pilot friends and they've all had situations like this where they almost have to be a bit more stern um than they would like because they have to take that control otherwise it won't just be given it's like one of those situations where it's like yeah it's not given and it's not earned even just by you being there it's like you have to continue to demand it and demand the space for it which I mean it's great that you're learning how to do that should you have to Meh, maybe not Um, but I th- so physically you're dealing with it with like hey I know my ground I'm standing it like and you're almost teaching them how to deal with their stuff (laughs) i guess
1: yeah like i could recognize your ego needs a check
0: yeah exactly (laughs) check yourself um how do you feel like now are you able to kind of push those things away afterwards or does it does it still like you you're getting back to your hotel that night and you're like oh man that just like really bothered me
1: um it's it's better i still think Mm -hmm that i could articulate and push back more i am definitely a people pleaser so this has been an extremely hard uphill battle for me um especially with like the imposter syndrome of like everybody's older and more experienced than me so Mm -hmm. like it's really hard for me to speak up but i've just gotten to the point where i've had to sit back and be like you've been doing this for almost five years now like you know when something's not right um and I, it's rare for me to go back and be like, you know, I wish I had done more. If I do feel like that, I might like invite them out for a drink and be like, hey, <laughs> let's let talk about this for a Just second. like
0: diffuse the sit- situation and make it a calm approach versus like a confrontation.
1: Yeah, because thats it's, you're well aware, like in, in that job, I'm stuck with them for two weeks. So like, if uh-huh. it's bad now it's only going to get worse as we get more tired and yeah um have to be able to work with them but
0: uh, yeah interesting it's a lot of a lot of crm happening <laughs> or, or at least trying to happen
1: try yeah um it's the it's the whole approach they used to teach us in college i took a I took a CRM course, and I always thought it was so awkward, the phrasing, and a little silly, but it makes sense. It would be like, how to confine a captain? And it was like, I feel blank. Like, I feel scared, or uh, I am nervous because of we're approaching a mountain. Like, something like that. That one's I think that we should do this. (laughs) What do you think? Like, so it's like admitting discomfort, explaining Uh. what's happening, and then it's like, you give a plan of action but you still leave it open to them. like what do you think we should do like which i mean that's good information for even like me as a flight
0: attendant it's like i've had situations where i'm the one that recognizing that something doesn't feel right or i'm the one that's noticing an issue whether it be in the cockpit or like a concern about like pressure in the cabin like whatever it might be like com- decompression or whatever or like mm-hmm. hey my you know something is getting too hot. And I feel like the heat coming from this, like slightly concerning when you're 41,000 feet over the ocean, um, small things like that. If you say them, I almost think that you're like exactly what we were talking about. You're demanding that respect of, Hey, I know my job and I know something is like a little off here. Let me like make you aware of it. Cause I surely am.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I've had this conversation with a lot of guys or like in a and like a leadership role, how difficult it is as a woman, because like, you either kind of have to be like that hard ass that like demands respect, or you either kind of have to be like, a, a not a real ditz, but like, how, you know what I mean? Like kind of bubbly mm-hmm. funny like you're trying to be well liked yeah and then when it comes down to it you can be a hard ass it's like it's such a fine line to walk because they'll make fun of you either way either way you're i was just gonna say that bitch or you're just you're a ditzy person that lets anything go by i was just gonna bring that up is
0: you know we again like i said we're safety oriented or we try to be but I just did my recurrent safety training this week and I come from the airline, so I try to always be safety like oriented. But like I have brought safety concerns up to pilots before and they just scoff it off. M- mind you, I've worked with men primarily as pilots. Like I haven't had a female pilot since you were my pilot. Um it's true, I'm just sad because it makes it so much more fun on the road. Um oh my gosh. No words so fun. much more fun. But they scoff it off because they're like, oh, my God, this flight attendant just like, you know, she smells something or she feels something and it's going to be nothing. And sometimes it is. But I'm always glad that I bring it up. But you definitely do get made to feel like, oh, my God, why did you waste my time? And it's like, dude, yeah. I'm just trying to look out for our safety and like try to be something like better than dead.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I just, it fresh, it's frustrating because, like, there are so many instances of, like, you guys bringing up a concern and them saying it's not a big deal. And then it bites us in the ass. Like, yeah. I just watched an accident with, like, a British uh, airline company that, like, they had an engine fire, but they shut down the wrong engine. But the purser came up and said, Smoke is coming from the left side. And they completely ignored her. Like, I they heard were just this. like, No, we're shutting down the other engine.
0: Like, I heard about You're that, wrong. and it's like I'm your eyes and ears back here, bro.
1: Like, listen, I heard about like, that. I don't understand because I do. I literally just did in the same where we do simulated smoke and we pretend that there's a fire attendant back there, and you All say right. like, they have to ask like, do you still smell or do you still see smoke? And if they say yes, it leads us to one place in the checklist, and if you say no, it leads us to another place, like which is vitally different. <laughs> that the egos I just yeah that's why I, like the experienced pilots like they're around because they're still they're asking that kind of stuff yeah uh,
0: absolutely and the other ones are hopping around jobs because they can't keep one or because they've had situations like this where they kind of get booted you know because they haven't made the right de- decision or listened but um I mean I've always had a great time working with you and I always respected that you took charge and that you I saw you learn a lot because we worked together for almost two years and I saw you learn a lot through that time and I think that I've only gotten more proud as I've like seen and heard stories of you like now that I've not worked with you for two years like how much I can't imagine flying with you now and how much like you've grown and just hearing you you're like more confident in where you're at and I love that thank you
1: yeah it it was it's so nice working with you because I feel like we communicate well. We're very similar. Yeah, and then no, we really you did. Were, you were always there when I like that self confidence just like goes away like crazy, or you know uh-huh. we're trapped in London in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm stuck in a terrible relationship, and you just need a snuggle yeah and some tea yeah that's right <laughs> like,
0: yeah somebody absolutely. to talk to you <laughs> Cl- Claire and I had some uh we had some moments where we would like bang on a wall when we would share a wall let each other know we needed more wine like whatever it was we had some fun it was a good time are you,
1: are you up right now can I just come have some tea?
0: no I'm not but it's okay <laughs> like, come anyway <laughs> I walked over I walked over in my socks I was like I, just, I mean, it was the middle of a pandemic. No one cared about your socks. Oh, my God. Great um, times. <laughs> just to close out, what, what advice would you give to a young... Let's open it up to both genders, I guess, or all genders, I should say. and But then also maybe just to focus on, like, especially to the female pilots out there that are trying to become in your shoes, that are trying to get to where you are, or maybe already in your shoes but are struggling with CRM and struggling with mental health
1: on the road um yeah I would say the things I wish I had done is just taking care of myself like eating right and exercising yes but also uh. like saying no when I'm mentally drained or no when I need rest or no when I need to study I wish I just told people no yeah. um, because I've now found out years later that like my real friends would understand that I need time and it's not personal. It's just, I need that time. Uh, Um, And I wish I had taken care of myself and advocating for myself and asking questions and saying, no, that's not right. Or I deserve this. You know, I deserve respect. I deserve to experience this. Um, I would also seek out a mentor because Uh, for a lot of reasons of like, a, they can encourage you, maybe network help you, but also saying like, yes, it's normal. No, it's not normal. If you get in a pit goal, here's what you can do. Someone someone to lean on, someone to talk to. Um, is so important. But yeah, I wish, I would say definitely like advocating for yourself and asking the questions. It's not dumb. You're not the first person. <laughs> yeah. There's many people that have struggled with this. Um, and yeah, just taking care of yourself. Like, Uh I'm very much a giver. I love helping people. But I've learned that I need time to myself. And there's nothing wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with reaching out to somebody to talk to when you need it. That's important because if you don't feel good now, when you get up there and you get into a stressful situation, you're not going to handle it well because too much is going on in your head. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. And I think... It can only get better when you start doing those things, you
1: know? It turns out drinking water and, like, experiencing sunlight <laughs> <laughs> and, like, getting adequate sleep, like, actually makes you feel good. It's crazy. Weird.
0: It's so strange how life works,
1: hey? It's like just a plant. Be, just be a flower. Yeah, just, just be a flower. <laughs> drink your water. Experience sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. Three drink rule. <laughs> Girl. <laughs> oh my god
0: <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on and talking about it and being vulnerable about just how it is out there for female pilots and being a badass female pilot
1: yourself thank you so much for having me i think this is this is really cool and i think you're amazing and you're a great person and you're gonna do great things thanks um
0: well thank you for coming on and we'll talk soon